You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey there, everybody. How are you doing? I hope this comes across clear and concise, but it probably won't because I'm recording it kind of late at night, trying to get this episode out to you amidst all the chaos that's happening over here. But forget about that chaos for a moment. We don't care about that. What we care about is Gun Street Wiring Shop. Gun Street Wiring Shop out of Bend, Oregon, making custom wiring harnesses for your git fiddles, your strum sticks, your whatever, whatever you need, whatever kind of uh, fringed, I was going to say fretted and stringed at the same time, but I didn't. They're fringed instruments. That's what they are now. You can go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and get, you know, Maybe you need coil splits. Maybe you just want 50s wiring. Maybe you want a treble bleed circuit. Who knows what you might need, but Sean can hook you up and it will be a nice, easy install because even a guy like me was able to pull it off. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com, hit him up for the finest wiring harnesses in the game. Do it. I also need to tell you about a little thing called the Fear the Riff Expo coming at you August 10th. 2019. They're coming at you hard this year. Should be bigger and better than ever. I'm really excited to get back to the show and hang out with everybody and see all the new cool stuff. The new guitar clinics that they're going to have. The new, you know, last year they had some pretty big celebrity guys pop by. They had Zach Wild. They had, yeah, man, I don't even remember who all because I'm really tired right now, but it's okay. Suffice it to say, it was really cool and really fun, and I hung out with a bunch of you guys, and it's going to be a really, really good event, so don't miss it. August 10th, 2019, Brooklyn, New York City, the Fear the Riff Expo. Be there, or be a loser, or whatever. Yeah. Or like in the normal adult with responsibilities and stuff. But if you're cool, you'll come hang out at the Fear the Riff Expo, and it's going to be a blast. See you there. And before we get into this episode, one more thing. Yes, this is the episode that we've referred to for a couple weeks now. This is the episode where my house got smoked out mid-recording. I was going to leave a little snippet of the of the part where I said, Hey guys, I gotta stop because apparently my house is smoking or on fire or something. But I didn't have a good, clean, nice it didn't it didn't sound it was all jarbled and weird and it just wasn't worth it but so this is a rare mid edit that you have but it should be pretty seamless you you might not notice i rarely edit these a lot of people don't know this i mean edit obviously put these in and all that stuff and try to make them sound all nice and pretty but i i rarely rarely have to like cut anything out or move anything around it's uh it's usually just is the conversation is as it occurred but this time, I cut out the part where I said, hey, apparently my oven's smoking. So, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Seth and Brady are awesome, and I think it turned out really fun. So, on with the show. Boom. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Brady and Seth from Old Blood Noise. What's happening, boys? Hello. Hi. You guys having fun? Yeah. Is this, yeah, is this riveting? Is yeah, we're, at, we're having a great time. <laughs> I mean, it's... So, it, it is a little misleading because we're we're literally just sitting at the same places that we would sit all day long. Just yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. It's 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 a weird thing. Some people are like, "Yeah, it's great to be here." I'm like, "I wish you were actually here. That'd be cool." Yeah. And sometimes sometimes people are actually here, but not very often. I appreciate you thinking of us, having us on here. That's pretty cool. I think it's uh it's way overdue. We were supposed to do this like a year ago, and it kind of fell through the cracks. Well. Now's no. the time. Yeah, it'll, it'll be yes. even better now. No time like the present, right? <clears throat> well, I'll let, I'll get started. I think uh, I think we'll start with Brady. We don't usually these are a one on one thing, but the two on one's fun too. <laughs> um, we'll start with Brady. Can you give your musical backstory? I know there's you've you've had your fingers in a lot of things that people may or may not know about that 
uh, would be interesting to talk about as much as you can. So maybe just start kind of what got you into music and what you what led you to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I I started playing guitar probably in the seventh grade, and um, my dad was was and is a big music appreciator. He um, is a classic rock enthusiast and always has something new to him that's old to the world to show me. <laughs> and uh, and so I grew up listening to lots of guitar-oriented rock and roll and um, some, or some that's great and then others that are just nostalgic. So, um, like heart, a lot of heart, heart records I can think of. Yeah. It's just what I always go to and it it still holds up for me. Like, uh, so he, he sort of fostered this, um, guitar rock sensibility, this coolness in me. Mm -hmm. And nice. In uh, in middle school, I, I started playing guitar. I, Tried to take lessons, and I think I did. I wound up taking lessons maybe like a year after having the guitar for a while. You know, um, it was a PV Impact One, <clears throat> and it, it had this uh, silver sort of charcoal sparkle on it, and it had like uh, string locks, and and so it was it was it was more hardware than. Um, I think someone like me should have had back then. There's a lot to do <laughs> to get it to work just right. But uh, it was a good guitar and started on that about a year later, started taking lessons, maybe did like a year and a half of lessons. So that puts me into like eighth grade, ninth grade. And um, just started experimenting with like what would become my style to writing music things that the way that I like to write music. So I, I was never really big on like learning uh, other people's songs. So it probably, that probably hurt my efficiency as a guitar player. I can relate to that. Yeah. It's like I, I would noodle around and not necessarily get better because I wasn't testing the, the boundaries of skill, but felt like I was forming ideas and and there's stuff back then that like I still do I think that's comfortable as like playing guitar or writing uh songs and whatever. Um so I really enjoyed that and then I, I kinda had the music bug. I had some high school bands that um you know were whatever and I went to school at University of Oklahoma and in the film and video department. And that's actually where I met Seth. Um, we had some classes together. We worked on some projects together and then eventually started doing some music together. And um, yeah, that's kind of... At that point, I needed... Um, not I needed. I didn't know really what to do as far as a job or career or whatever. So I think I always had it in my mind, like, yeah, I want to be in a band and I want to do music. And growing up, you don't really understand what that what that entails, right? Right. You know, to make a living doing that or to treat it as a job, um, or as a business or something. So I never did. <clears throat> that so nothing ever happened there why (laughs) why why would it you know um exactly so i don't know i got out of school got married pretty quickly after that and sort of bounced around different jobs just trying to make money and wasn't super satisfied or happy but um Somebody had 
ingested at some point Keeley because they were right up the road from us. We at that point I was living in Norman, Oklahoma, which is where our offices are based now, and it's a college town south of Oklahoma City. Keeley was was and is based wasn't is. Ely is based in Edmond, Oklahoma, which is just north of Oklahoma City. And also where like I grew up, went to high school, my parents live, all that stuff. So uh, I managed to get a job at Keeley and just building pedals and learned kind of started down this electronics road. Um Yeah. That kind of got me to two thousand Eight, two thousand nine, something like that. Okay. So, um, yeah. Should I keep going? Yeah, on this, definitely. On this route, yeah, we got we got time to fill. Okay. Yeah. I'm, this is the long. This feels feels really long for an entire lifetime summed up into a <laughs> podcast. It's it's hard to it's hard to break it all down, but that's that's what the people want to hear. Well, so I worked at Keeley for a couple years, and um, then I. Transitioned over to a new company that was starting called Walrus Audio, and this was about 2011. Mm-hmm. And um, I came on board there to help build the company from the ground up. So um, that's what I did for until 2014, and uh, decided to go at it on my own with Seth. As my partner. So uh, all this time, Seth and I had been doing sort of artistic endeavors, and we had also worked. Um, we had done some things for Walrus together and in the pedal industry, and he can kind of give you his background because it's, it's pretty interesting too. But um, and, in like an entirely different realm too, in a, a video. Music slash video realm so um i'm very curious about that yeah it's it's good and it's to his credit it's uh the big reason why we are able to represent ourselves the way that we are or the way that we have (laughs) since the beginning uh through like video content and branding and all that stuff that if you build a guitar pedal you may not have a, a grid for how to transition that into a sellable branded product, you know? Right. And so, right. Yeah. There's and a so, lot of uh, bare enclosures that, that sound great, but nobody's going to, nobody's really going to buy them, at least not at a scale that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 2014, uh, Old Blood started, Seth and I, in my little garage like workshop and since then it's been four years we've moved into a space we've expanded that space um we have employees we have machinery we yeah we are doing the thing of building a business nice nice yeah before we go uh, spring forward, let's let's go back for Seth's Seth's story. His is a little bit different, you say. So I'd like to see how that paralleled into you know basically the same point where you did 2014. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I grew up in Oklahoma. Um, went to OU, like Brady said. We met there <clears throat> um, in the film video studies program, and then that's around the time that we started like playing music together i was playing in some bands and he and i started playing together and yeah just kind of continuing to collaborate we both worked at the same like we worked at the ou tv station in college together and like ran camera for a a really low budget uh local sports tv show like we would do that every sunday evening we'd be like standing behind teleprompters like in wayne's world so i was kind of like where we started out hanging out. And we, we did spend a lot of time together at that job, which was fun because it was a really hilarious job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, 
lots of stories there for sure. Um, and then after college, yeah, I just did the music thing. I worked through it. I worked at a screen printing shop all through college. And then I played in some bands during and after college, did some touring and then kind of settled back at home and, or stayed settled at home more consistently. And I got a job working for uh, the Flaming Lips. There's a band in Oklahoma City and uh, I was doing design work and video. And I actually learned a lot in that job um, about- I imagine so. Yeah. (laughs) about video and stuff like I definitely have a background in design and uh and photo but like that that's when I really got deep into the video stuff was kind of because even in college our you know the degree that Brady and I we were earning was for uh it's more of like analysis and you know just watching a lot of film examining it as text and then like writing about it so we didn't yeah, production was very, it was probably even tertiary. Like, it was, yeah. like, not even the secondary part of it. So, it was, like, we made Interesting. one. I think we, together, we made one short film our entire, like, homeschool career. So, Absolutely. yeah, it was, like, our last thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, so I worked there for about a year. That was 2012, 2013-ish. Um and working there, we were actually doing some video work for, for Walrus Audio because, you know, Brady and I are best friends, work at a place, do stuff, so there was good connect there. Um, so kind of started out doing some video stuff back then in the pedal realm, and that probably is what kicked it off for me. Um, and then I worked at a place called Mammoth Electronics for a little while, <clears throat> and uh like I guess creative director at that company that and then left that job um, and started Old Blood with Brady in 2014 and that's just kind of where we've been since then and I live in Oklahoma City I live in Oklahoma City which is about 30 minutes north of our office so here's a question and this is probably a good point to ask it one that I was thinking of and one that was asked in the group uh by Tom Kelly, and he asked, where did the name come from? Oh, that's fun. Uh, what, what did you say? Um, I, I would say that there's, there's probably not a super distinct moment, but I think I have the, a memory of it. So in 2000, thir- late 2013, 2014, um, after kind of being... After needing some something new, I think from our our existing jobs, so mine being at Walrus, Seth being at Mammoth, um, we did a lot of. We'd sit around and drink beer and play video games, and uh, sort of daydream on what that would look like, you know. And we did that with our friend Blake a lot. We'd go to the local bar. And just write down plans on napkins, which is one of my favorite things to do <laughs> is like keep notes on a, a bar napkin. Yeah. Um, I feel like the best ideas come from that, in my opinion. Yeah. You're uh, probably right about that. But I, I think I think it was just like a a really bad analysis of the names that already existed. Or re- not bad, but really like uh, surface level analysis of like, all right, well, uh, you know, there's Walrus Audio and there's Earthquaker Devices and there's, I don't know. I, th- I think we started with Endeavors hmm. is what, yeah, in my mind, Endeavors so that it's not totally restricted or not just guitar pedals yeah. or sound devices because we have had such a like we like audio video stuff so yeah. let's try and loop that into it and um and then we just kind of felt like like we're not really new at this or we're new at it but we're not like we've already been sort of burnt once or twice in this industry so <laughs> yeah it just kind of right. felt like uh old, old blood opposite of new 
new blood. Yeah. You know, rookies. <clears throat> Green, um, Greenhorn. Greenhorn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, old blood. And then um, we figured that our designs and our general sounds would probably be alienating or polarizing, noisy. So I think all those things kind of fell into place. I don't yeah. know if it was like one sitting or what, but I think it was over a, a number of of meetings and hanging out, and then like kind of writing down the, those arrangement of those words in a bunch of different ways until we were like, "Oh, that that looks right. That feels good." And then part of the you know five or ten year plan is that that can be truncated down, you know, and people will hopefully eventually start to recognize it as like O B and E or old blood or you know like you can just shrink it down so i would say that's at least from my perception that that's been successful i think people they say old blood in reference to guitar stuff people generally know what you're referring to i think cool that's at least that's my take (laughs) at least in the circles we all run around in I'm, I was trying to remember, and maybe you guys can help me remember, because this was very early on. I found you guys really quickly, early on, because it was when I, it was right at the cusp of when I was getting deep into pedal nerding out, and I was watching somebody's rig rundown, and I cannot remember for the life of me who it was, but it was an artist that I liked, and they had a black fountain, and that was the first time I'd heard about it, so, and it was... Around that 2014, maybe late 2014, I don't remember for sure. Do you know who some early adopters that I would have been watching a rig rundown were that had a black fountain? Uh, yeah, it was probably the brand new guys. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I I worked worked for them from late 2013 up until. Uh, when they kind of stopped touring last year. So, mm-hmm. what were you doing for them? Uh, just guitar teching. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And How did you manage to juggle the two uh, the two endeavors, for lack of a better term? Well, uh, at the beginning, there was not a lot. I mean, there was stuff to do, but a lot of it was like. We had to sort of make up what we were doing. You know, we had to figure it out. So there was just time to uh, do a lot of stuff. So first couple of years, I think I would be gone in bursts of like a week, two weeks, sometimes five weeks. Um, and I would just resort to doing as much as I could from the computer. Gotcha. So... Um, so yeah, we would have to have another body here building and, and that's kind of what we did. So kind of gotcha. tried to make it work. I, I feel like we've, Seth and I both have had multiple side hustles, um, to just make it all work, you know? I know exactly what you're talking about. I really do. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I I don't know. If I was gone, Seth would uh man a bunch of different things and and I would do the best that I could. Gotcha, gotcha. So what does what does the process look like for you, you know, from, you know, I having the idea to having it be reality. I imagine, you know, with the kind of effects that you guys do, I imagine that your process is different cuz, you know, you're not ones to just put out another tube screamer. So what what does that look like most of the time? I think it actually kind of depends project to project because some projects will really come together quickly <clears throat> um, uh, without a lot of pushback from the project, honestly. Uh, and then sometimes there's projects like there's some that we've been working on for years that are just now kind of rounding the bend to the last mile. So... Um, but I, I think it does definitely start with like this sound is exciting. The idea of this sound exciting. Okay, what do we want to call it? <laughs> uh, 
And then we start there and then just kind of continue to bat it back and forth between everybody of like, this is cool. What makes it better? What sucks about it? What, what's a, what are the big detractors to you? Like, so we try to kind of heavily vet, you know, what we want it to be like, what we want it to sound like before, before it really gets out of like the, you know, the breadboard or, you know, the cutting room floor stage. <clears throat> and then, and then from so then we'll, been... oh, go ahead. Oh, and then from then, you know, we'll also be reaching out to uh, an illustrator or an artist. Um, I, I contract a different artist for each pedal's artwork. Um, and so we'll start working with them sometimes sort of early on. It just really depends on how the project is rolling along. And then usually we'll just give them the name, um, the, some sound samples usually. And then uh, that's, I keep the art direction pretty loose initially. And I'll give them a template to work within. Seth, this is probably a, a good question for you. Okay. The kind of the visuals and the, the vibe and, and everything of the brand, you know, they, they kind of communicate to a certain type of person. What was your, what were you thinking about when you're kind of creating that identity around, you know, the eyeball and all that stuff? Hmm. That's a good question. I actually, I went through probably over a hundred different variations of that logo, um, starting out and then it's kind of landed there. It's funny looking back, it's like, wow, eyeballs are everywhere. But at that time in 2014, it didn't feel like they were everywhere, um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, I think I just was approaching it as though, like, wow, I actually have total control this time around. Like, this is like, if, you know, just I, I get to ask Brady, like, do you like this? <laughs> and then we would go from there. And we would definitely had like a brain trust of friends, like our friend Blake um, uh, from Atria. Like, he definitely. We went back and forth a little bit on that logo <clears throat> initially too, and he helped me kind of formulate what it was going to look like. But I, I don't know. You say that it like, I guess, did you say it like speaks to a certain type of person? Is that what you said? Or yeah, what type of person do you think it speaks to, Blake? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Guys oh, you, who... oh, you think it speaks to you? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Like, uh, guys who like to. Um, and well, just musicians who like to find new, you know, new sounds and get weird with things basically is what I, yeah. And that's definitely me. I think that, I don't think that we were initially like setting out to, I guess, speak to a specific audience, but coming from where we, who we are, what we are, where we are. Yeah. That's where I'm coming from uh, in a way as well. Like just always interested in sounding like what else could it do? You know, or hearing what what else can it do, and you know, like in messing with sound, like it's more about it being. Maybe uh, for me, it's more about evoking feeling or a reaction, as opposed to like sounding extremely hi-fi or transparent or whatever other buzzwords you'd like to use. Like <clears throat> it's more of like like the process is a big part of it, but the outcome is like I want to be effective. I want things to feel like I'd rather be like heard than ignored, I guess, as, as far as a brand goes. So yeah. But yeah. yeah. Th throw in the word blood and eyeballs and <laughs> yeah. things that, but also kind of like tamed. It's not like grotesque. Yeah. Nothing we do is really grotesque in any way. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think I'm drawn to darkness, but I am uh, I am averse to like violence and gore and stuff like that. Like none of that does it for me. Yeah. Like I can't really even do horror movies too much, but like, but I do like like a, a vibe, you know, vibey. I guess is what I would say. That that seems pretty accurate. I yeah, none of it is. None of it is too terrifying, despite the uh, the haunt video being pretty out there. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one. Which was fantastic. I think I, I was, was feeling pretty out I there love that. or something. I don't know. 
<laughs> my friend Tim, he he and I made those uh, masks together. That was a was a fun experience. That's really cool. For anybody who hasn't seen that, hit up the Google machine after this episode and and look at the launch video for the haunt. It's it's quite fun. Thanks, man. One thing I do have to say, I need to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if a, apologize is the right word or it, it, maybe explain myself a little bit. Um, you guys probably remember it was my first Nam as back in 2015, I believe is the year. Yeah, 2015. You guys did uh, the kind of communal coffee and riffs thing. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, at our friend Scott Windsor's shop, uh, Windsor Homebrew Supply Co. Still there. He opened a bottle shop connected to it now. It's in custom. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. But that was a lot of fun. I I I was in that and I I played a a section. I recall. But I I I think it it what I set out to do because initially I think we the concept that I you know this is a long time ago but I I went back and watched it recently and I was like why was I doing that that's not doesn't even make any sense and I kind of remembered like us talking about okay we're gonna pick a key and we're going to you know kind of build off of that and I was one of the first ones so I was like well I'll just make this droning thing and then everyone else kind of did cooler stuff and I felt stupid but (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know I don't I just felt like I needed to clear the air or something on it but thanks for putting it in there anyway well yeah it's lame that was a fun experiment just like we had no idea what was going to happen or, you know, so I thought it came out pretty fun. It did. Some of those, some of the things those, uh, those guys were doing was, was crazy. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought a good time with it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Like, like our friend Henry, um, was living out in California at the time. He did a really rad piece that I think became like one of his, one of his band's songs even. So that's oh. cool. And then like, yeah, like super young Pete Jonas. Um, that was one of the first things we got to do with him, which was fun. Brady's actually scrubbing through the timeline right now on YouTube, and I'm looking at it. <laughs> We're kind of <laughs> nice. seeing everybody. Do you guys have any plans to do more of that? It was actually always a, we just shot an fun. episode of Coffee and Riffs yesterday, and then we've got another shoot later this week. Oh, sweet! Yeah, uh, so definitely bringing it back. Um, Coffee and Riffs is. You know, like, it's such an interesting thing because we started it sort of, like, right before Old Blood became a thing. But we needed we needed an outlet of some sort, and we were like, what should we do? What could we do? And we just came up with a really simple template and started shooting episodes every Saturday morning. Like, we'd shoot three to four every Saturday for, like, 12 weeks. So that's how we got, like, that first big bulk of episodes. And life was just different then. Um, you know, like, we were younger. Things were... I wasn't married. I didn't have children. Uh, now that's a very different thing. Yeah, none of us had kids back then. So now we like all have. So we could hang out on a Saturday. And yeah. Like, all day Saturday. Yeah. So this is a, a, I mean, life is beautiful now, but that was a sweet time. Um, I don't even think we realized what it was, but, <clears throat> um, but then, you know, like your workable hours are like, do we do it? Do we spend the time doing this like labor of love or do we have to like use those shooting hours for generating content for our actual company? And so that was kind of the trade off. But we're finally getting to the point like like so uh, one of like our primary builder, uh, his name is Kylan and he this year has switched over and, and is in the AV department with me now. So it's like definitely changed the game a little bit and we're able to um, pull off a lot more. And in a faster time frame too, so we're starting to bring that back and and work it into, work it back in, but in a in a much bigger way into the old blood brand and, and that umbrella. So. I was gonna say I don't think that the 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 two have to necessarily be mutually exclusive, especially no. with the type of company and the type of presentation you guys have built. I I really feel like. You could still have those passion projects if if that's kind of what Coffee and Riffs was, be a part of the company and have it be both. It seems like that would straddle the edge. And I think 
honestly, at least in as far as like in the gear community, I think people always have viewed it as an old blood thing, even though it like had its own YouTube channel and all that sure. stuff. Sure, but it looks the same. It's the same people. So, yeah. Yeah, we never were trying to make them um, look or feel different. We didn't want to be disingenuous in that way or anything. And that's a lot of work to not be yeah. ourselves. So. <laughs> yes, coming <laughs> up with a unique angle of presentation is always extremely difficult. Yeah. And the way it turned out to be two separate channels, essentially, was just timing. Yeah. Not like it would have been an old blood. It would have been wrapped into old blood if old blood had started already yeah you know exactly right we just didn't we didn't launch launch that until august later that year mm-hmm. and we were already running with videos for january february yeah, yeah. for coffee and riffs january february yeah so. got it got it yeah and i didn't find the coffee and riffs until i found old blood so and oh, i feel cool. like a lot of a lot of other people might have had that experience too right. but i could be wrong yeah but yeah, long story short, yeah, that's still in works and in in effect, and we've got new stuff coming up. So cool, great, definitely uh, one or two new videos before the end of the year, and then we'll just continue to roll through next year. So where do you guys draw inspiration from? Like, I know these are these are all these are all very much a part of you, the products you make. Where where do they come from? Like what what do you listen to? What do you watch? What do you what inspires you guys to create the stuff that you make? Um, I there's probably some some overlap and then some unique things for both Seth and I. Um, I listen to and I think the process is, has changed or is changing the farther along we get. Like yeah. For the first, like, we have more people involved nowadays. Right. And so we've got an entire R&D section of our, our company, which is Dan and, and Isaac. And um, they, a lot of times, they can run run away on their own influences and their own ideas. And, and they're great. And so that's not necessarily... Um, inspired by us or anything we've watched or consumed and then spit back out. So there are those different, those different aspects. I would say early on for me, it was like things I was reading, uh, movies I was watching mostly, and then lots of science fiction stuff. Um, I forget who wrote the inherit the stars series but i was i was reading those for like two years they're not long books i just wouldn't read very much (laughs) i would like hold on to little sections and only read when i was doing certain things yeah um but yeah i don't i guess that kind of captures it for me like some of the some of the branding ideas like procession i remember was in one of those books the even like back to Walrus days, like the descent was inspired yeah. by the uh, the artwork was inspired by the cover of that book, Inherit the Stars, and um, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, definitely movies and film, and <clears throat> but I'll, yeah, definitely books. I love Cormac McCarthy. And, oh, dude, uh, speak to uh, me. I love <laughs> Haruki Murakami and uh, also like, you know, just, I don't know. I like, so Brady and I went to Europe a couple months ago and he brought The Stand by Stephen King, which is like 5,000 pages long. Not really, but mm-hmm. it was over a thousand pages. <laughs> and then I brought uh, Wind Up Bird Chronicle, which I've already read, but I really enjoyed by Murakami. And then like this book about, uh, the production of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was really, really interesting. So, finish that? Uh-uh. I haven't really read since we've gotten back from Europe. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of nonstop. I finished The Stand, but then I haven't picked anything else up. I want to read that after you're done. Yeah, I got about three quarters of the way through it. It's really cool. We yeah, that sounds a, really interesting. 
We listen to a lot of audiobooks at the shop, like in in the build room. Uh, the guys always have something going. There's yeah. been a lot of Stephen King this year, yeah. I guess. Yeah, definitely. Game of Thrones. Um, last year, I I burned through all the Harry Potters like while I was working, like around this time of year, doing building stuff at home, yeah. uh, which was great. Love that. So. I almost think that I, I I'm kind of a Harry Potter nerd. You know, yeah. I grew up grew up with it and my wife is even more of a fan but sometimes i i think those books don't necessarily get the credit i think they get written off as kids books by some people sure and they are kids books but they're really good i don't care what anybody says amazing yeah yeah they're fantastic compelling story yeah i've been reading them with my uh with my daughter and she's just finished the second book and we're getting into the third one. And I honestly have only ever heard audiobooks. So it's been really cool to like read and like, I don't know, have to do some of the voices and stuff like that. So, right, right. I'm really looking forward to my son getting to the age where he's old enough to start cracking into those. Yeah. Right now, I think he'd, uh, I think he'd get distracted with some bright, shiny object and <laughs> how old go is your away. boy? He's three. Oh, nice. That's awesome. He's three and he's 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 a little bit of a wild child sometimes. Yeah. So, y'all are. <laughs> how about your? You guys said you guys didn't have kids when you first started. How old are your kids now? Yeah, I've got a, a nine-year-old stepdaughter. She's in the fourth grade, and then I've got um, our son is uh, just right at nineteen months old. Nice. Yeah. And I, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And they're crazy. <laughs> That's about the best thing you can say, right? Yeah. They're crazy. Yeah, I I tried to get my four year old to watch the Harry Potter movies, like mm-hmm. probably too early for him, yeah. whatever. But we watched the second one, and then he was kind of scared. But then he spent the next two or three weeks like hissing like a snake. <laughs> Whenever he got <laughs> mad at me. Oh, man. And his teachers and stuff. And so that was. Oh, wow. A real problem. The snake. Yeah, some. Yeah, the snake kid. That could get a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> I love like, that. here's your homework. <sniffs> like, oh, okay then. Well. He's just speaking in parcel tongue. He's just saying thank yeah. you. Yeah. Come on. Um, get with yeah, it. Yeah, I actually got to. I was with my kids over the weekend while my wife was running some errands and, uh, Somehow, we got all the way through uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Like, Ooh. like my son pretty much stayed either in it, watching it, or occupied in the same room. That's pretty good. Yeah, and then uh, the nine or nine year old, she just loved it. She was glued to it. She kept trying to figure out the melody, which was fun. Oh, yeah, that's I've cool. Started that movie like four times. Oh man, it's great. <laughs> I re- I watched it in college. I think in like seventies cinema or something. The other this last month, we you know it was uh, we're we're heavy into the Halloween stuff, and and my wife's not as big of a horror nut as I am, but there's a few that she likes, and so I was like, hey, let's watch The Shining. I know you like The Shining, and then I and my son actually was stayed in the room slash watched it the whole time, and I didn't think he was really paying attention um, until the elevator scene, and then he goes, Dad, um how did he say it he's like dad why is all that blood coming out <laughs> and i went hmm maybe this isn't a film for children yeah i don't know but it's too late now so we're just gonna power through well i did yeah, i found that that would be really really awkward if he asked anybody else that question yeah at least you had the experience with him so if he, he recalls it you can you can recall it with him he wasn't scared he was just like that doesn't make any sense yeah. that's that's a lot of blood yeah. <laughs> Elevators bleed. It's it's just a thing that happens. Elevators bleed. That sounds like a song title. You should write a song about it. <laughs> so yeah. Let's see here. Let's check the check the Facebook group, see if they have any other input real quick before oh, I wow, yeah. dive off into some other stuff. Are we live? We're not live. <laughs> 
Um, let's see. Wow, it's not so many questions as more of just demands. Uh, Mark Johnston says I need to bully you into a stereo procession. I, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but there's my there's my attempt. Um, Anthony Chang from Sinusoid just wants you guys to receive a digital hug. Oh, that's nice. Received. Oh, oh, here's something interesting. Uh, Phil and I. I hope I say his last name right. Last name right. Phil Provost. Uh, said, ask them if it at all bothers them that Kevin McAllister didn't even attempt to eat one bite of the highly nutritious microwavable macaroni and cheese dinner that he prepared just before he defended his house against the wet bandits. When you gotta go to work, you gotta go to work. You know? He was so excited about it. Well, yeah, but he had bigger bigger things to do. True. (laughs) However, that that mac and cheese does sound good. Yeah. It does. He did, and then it just got cut for the theatrical release. Like, this is just too much exposition. Like, let's just assume <laughs> that he eats the mac and cheese. Because they don't even, they don't show it later. It's not like you see it cold in the microwave. You don't revisit that. That is true. That is true. And you're, you know, being a student of film, you would catch on to these things. <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Do you think so? I'm obviously not from that background at all. Did did you think going through that experience in school made you guys watch movies differently, or can you still kind of veg out and and watch them as an average viewer might? I, someone had told me, I think early on in that program, like, oh yeah, you'll you'll never look at movies the same way. I didn't totally understand that. Um, but I think what they meant is like, you'll always be analyzing and you'll never be yeah. fully enjoying. Yeah. And, uh, that may have been true for a little bit, but it's definitely worn off. Yeah. It does but wear off. I watch bull crap. That yeah. I think it just enjoy. Yeah. Cause I actually, I think it opened me up to really like enjoy bad movies. Mm-hmm. Cause like mm. you even have this other, like, I don't know if that's called a skill set, but a way to analyze like these really terrible films. And like, it's actually really fun to watch. Like I'll watch any movie the rock is in or like, yeah, me too. I won't even call them bad movies necessarily, but like I, for whatever reason I get pumped when there's a new, the rock movie. Yeah. Yeah. You see Baywatch. How could you not? I did not see Baywatch. I didn't see Rampage. I haven't seen anything he's done in the last like year or two. Baywatch was, was difficult. Really? <laughs> um, Rampage, not good, enjoyable. Yeah, um, I didn't see Skyscraper. I've heard it's not good but enjoyable. Yeah. Um, what else has he done recently? Yeah, it was great. San Andreas, great movie. San Andreas I didn't was a good one. Either. Great movie. <laughs> have you seen? Do Mars? you have some like? You classic, know? like, really, really bad movies that you like? Because I like really, really bad movies. What? Like Troll 2. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Um, you haven't seen Troll 2? Uh-uh. Nor Troll. Oh. Oh, you oh, gotta see Troll 2. Oh, there isn't one, is there? <laughs> I think there <laughs> is one, but it's movie. totally unrelated. Yeah. To that movie. Yeah. The thing about Troll 2 is there's no trolls in it. Goblins. The goblins. Oh, yep. They're goblins. You gotta watch it. Okay. Report back <laughs> to me when you get when you get to view Troll yeah. Two or um, another classic one that's uh, that's that's everyone's kind of talking about is the Room. I don't know if sure, you've seen the yeah. Room. I actually I haven't seen that haven't movie that came out this year about that, but I remember seeing the Room a long time ago, and it's a fun ride. It's pretty amazing. I love things like that, and there's a yeah. lot once you start digging in. I think there's, I there, I enjoy the lot. like the the story around those things too. It's like how I mean, there's even a podcast about that. But like, how did this get made? You know, yeah. like how does it? <laughs> because it's really hard to make any sort of large scale artistic project, a record or a film or you know whatever. But but that sort of thing takes a lot of people to agree that this is something that should happen all the way through, like yeah. to the very end of the process. Like, keep going. it's not like somebody was like, oh, we shouldn't have made that movie last Tuesday. 
Like that was a dumb day. We did. We shouldn't have yeah. done that. It's like <laughs> we shouldn't have made that movie that we worked on for four years. Like after the fact, you know. Like, but uh, like American Movie is a great documentary. I don't know if you've seen that about the about these guys who make a horror film called Coven. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. That's a, that's a great, great documentary. That that had. I mean, yeah. That that movie had me and my wife rolling in the scene where he's trying to trying to get his um his i think it was his grandpa or his, it was his uncle yeah you know, so like, it's all good. right it's okay uh-huh. like over and over again oh man so good yep but then i also wanted to cry in that movie too it's like you realize like man he's putting everything into this like and everyone's the, laughing the anvil anvil yeah really totally Brady and I watched the story of Anvil one time. We're like, oh, cool. That's us in 30 years. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, That's a good one. Yeah. I haven't seen that. There's a podcast called The Horror Show that we've been listening to a lot where it's just two guys that break down really bad horror movies, which is kind of fun for me because I like... I want to, I don't want to watch those movies, but I like getting the synopsis of them. Yeah, I'm the same way. And then, you know, I think that they're just kind of like maybe drinking beer or something the entire time. So it's kind of loose, uh, enjoyable. Check that one out. That does sound like fun. Sean and Joe, horror show. Nice. Good times. I'll want to watch the movies, though. That's my... I do I do like I like good and bad horror films. I really I really like scary movies. But I, I don't mean, get to watch them very often cuz I'm the only one in the family that likes them. That's the thing like I it also they they wrap up like they do a whole movie in 30 minutes or less <laughs> while I'm sitting there doing something else, you know. Yeah. And so I don't have time to actually watch like uh Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they've done some good It's a bunch of titles that, like, I've grown up seeing the VHS covers, you know? Yeah. Yep. And so that's kind of fun because I would never watch them, but I want to know. Yeah. I already have a story in my head as to what they're about. I think I have a funny connection to, like, old horror movies, too, because my. My family would take us to the like VHS store every Friday night, you know. You'd walk mm-hmm. up and down, stop and go video, or we'd go mm-hmm. to Blockbuster, but uh stop and go specifically had a really robust horror section. I would just walk down and look at all of the fronts of the boxes and be like, Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and so as I grew and got older, I would still see those and be like, I can't watch that because I had this like six year old yeah version of myself being like, Oh, that's it's terrifying. I can't watch. Did you watch that uh, that little? There's like a Vimeo ten minute documentary thing on the process on VHS horror movie covers. Oh no! Did you ever watch that? You sent me a link to that. I need to watch that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Kind of breaks you gotta down. Send like, me, you got to send me that. I'll yeah, it, that. it breaks down why they were so effective back then. Sure. Why, like, as our generation of adults. Can remember seeing a uh, VHS cover from 30 years ago. Yeah, and it still like, has an impression. Yeah, so it's pretty puppet master. Yeah, like one through five. I can see yeah. all those boxes in my head right now. Totally, <clears throat> they're all like clay, like stop animation, like little. I don't know what the movie's like, but <laughs> I can see the cover. Yeah, there's a there's a ton that fit that description. You know, yeah. I can remember lots of them. And but I was a little different. Like my family would take me to the video store on Friday night and they'd be all looking for a family movie that we could watch. And I would immediately like beeline it over to the horror section and start looking and I went I it almost had the opposite effect on me. I was like I really want to watch those, but I can't. And but because I knew I couldn't watch them, like that oh, made yeah. me want to watch them more. That's and so weird. It was it was yeah it was a little bit of the the opposite effect I guess yeah we're really lucky here uh, again if you get to come to Portland we have a store called Movie Madness cool. that is um 
it still has it still does all the DVD and and video rental stuff, and it it feels like you're taking a step back in time, That's in cool. a lot of ways. But they have everything, like their their whole thing is like they have out of print stuff that you have to pay like a two hundred dollar deposit to rent it, you know, and and they have normal stuff too. But it I've just recently started going there again, and I'm like, man, this feels awesome. I wish this was still a thing that was more easily accessible to people. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> the last yeah. blockbuster actually uh, is still in Bend, Oregon, mm-hmm. which is not not too far away, and it's it's the oh. last one in existence. That's funny. funny. Yeah. So you never know where this podcast is going to go. Sure, yeah, it just sure. happens. It just happens sometimes. We just got to let it let it go, let it do its thing. Do we need to to kind of recenter? Should we talk more about tone or? mobs or what's your favorite mob <laughs> oh uh trick question oh Just kidding i don't know that's not a trick question no i want to know which family do you mob. uh most align with as oh, a business mob. no mob. yeah <laughs> i was just thinking of like famous groups of groups of angry people yeah gosh true bypass <laughs> just everybody out out yelling at your g- gates give us true bypass <laughs> i don't know yeah but we are getting close to the end of the episode and there's a very important question that that needs dissected okay and this is the one that that everybody kind of gets a little nervous about and it's it's maybe a little little more personal than most people would care to discuss but it it the people deserve to know so here we go we'll start we'll start with brady just because so, what is your favorite kind of pizza? Um, I like all pizza, and that's that's kind of the truth. I could pretty much eat if yeah. it's pizza. I I will eat it and probably enjoy it. It just needs cheese, sauce, and some veggies, and I'm good. So. Uh, also, Domino's has great pizza. You remember um, Pizza Hut? Pizza would would have like the deep pan, the deep dish. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that was kind of like a novelty growing up. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, perfect, crispy, fluffy crust. I'm kind of upset that about Pizza Hut in general. Like it wasn't ever my favorite kind of pizza but you're right it had a very strong novelty factor and i loved the way the buildings were shaped and you'd mm-hmm. go in and you'd have those red plastic cups and the 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 little crumbly ice cubes and all that stuff and the, the vibe was very nice it, it very and much now feels they're like... just in now, now they're just in strip malls and it doesn't it's not the the pizza hut that i i knew and loved as a child yeah it used to be a like big deal go and dine experience Pizza Hut mm-hmm. during the eighties. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, now my local Pizza Hut is a weed store, so <laughs> it's like sort of fitting. But yeah. also, I drive by. I'm like, I, you know, there's lots of weed stores. I wish that was a Pizza Hut. That's funny. Ours is a pretty good restaurant now. It's a, a o o Asian oh, yeah. fusion. That place is good. Yeah. Right. So you don't have a a preference on on toppings like. You're just pretty much down with whatever slices is, is available. Yeah, I mean, I I used to be a big um, like sausage sausage guy. Yeah, um, but <laughs> but now I I stick mostly to just like the vegetables and cheese and lots of cheese. I you can't put too much cheese on a piece of pizza, in my opinion. Uh, sometimes I'll throw barbecue sauce on there, but good. A uh, good change up if if the barbecue sauce is good at said establishment. <laughs> right, this is true. I I've always avoided it, but actually, my mom made a barbecue pork pizza the other day, Sounds and I was delicious. like, ah, barbecue pork pizza. I don't know. I don't like. I'm not a big barbecue sauce pizza guy, but it was it was phenomenal. Everything's better That's... with that with bread. <laughs> this with is that, true on a piece of bread and with cheese baked on top of it. Everything one hundred percent. So, yeah, I mean, I 
I can do all those things. We got a place here called Hideaway that makes pretty good pizza. Like in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Is it a chain or? None. Yeah. No. There's a, I mean, it's a, like a local franchise. Yeah. 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 But, throughout Oklahoma. Yeah. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, yeah, we when when we would shoot coffee and riffs episodes, we'd always go to the Wedge, which is a good like wood fire pizza place. You know, like they have a big uh, ceramic oven, and I think that's my if I would choose a style, it'd be like that brick oven style, mm-hmm. like Roberta's in New York City, the Wedge in mm. New York City, like uh, I don't know, all those places that do that. Roberta's anyway. is one of my favorites. Yeah, that place is really good. Did you happen to have the beasting? I did. I've had that. Yeah, that's that's my wife's like favorite piece of pizza ever. She still drools about it, and I I thought it was phenomenal. But I think it blew her mind. Like completely copies it. They even call it the bee sting. (laughs) But it's like I've had that. Yeah, I made before. Yeah, they got the Mike's hot honey on there and everything. Oh man, not here. Mm. I don't know, but I think we're gonna go get. That sounds pretty good. I think I am too, actually. <laughs> That'll be my breakfast. It'll be fine. Nice. Pizza for breakfast. All right. Well, we got just a couple more minutes here. Is there anything you want to, if, if there's anything you want to tell people, if this is like your time to put up a billboard, if you like want to tell them where they can find you, or if you have a message for the world, what do you, what do you got? I mean, I guess you can look. Keep up on our website, oldbloodnoise.com. But I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you're aware of us in some capacity. Um, but we've got lots of stuff happening um, now through the rest of this, however long this business exists. So keep rolling. Yeah, there's there's always something in the pipeline. Um, we should have a couple of releases over the next couple of months. Um and then we're going to try some big things in 2019. Yeah. So. Very exciting. Yeah. We'll be at Winter Nam as well. Yeah. If anyone's around and <clears throat> wants to know what a voice looks like from a podcast. That was going to be my next question was, uh, will you be at Nam? And then will you be then coming to the pizza party that we'll be having for lunch? Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah, I guess well, we will I, be. I, I, we, we kind of have done it every year that, or for the last two years we've done it. Um, cool. This year we're going to keep it, try to keep it on the NAM grounds. Nice. Because we had, I, and the listeners know this, but we had like 50 plus people show up at this restaurant that I told them that it might be 20 or 30. And we kind <laughs> of like completely overtook the thing. And I don't think they liked it very well. That's- so. We're going to try to have them deliver on the grounds and we'll just be hanging outside if the weather is nice. So just so you know. Nice. Yeah, we'll be there. Sweet. All right, everybody. I guess that will do it for this episode. So for Seth and Brady, this is Blake and good luck and good tones. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, that does it for this week. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Seth and Brady were a real treat, and they make really, 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 really rad pedals. So make sure you check those out if you haven't ever seen them before for some strange reason. And if you'd like a little more of this conversation, you can slide on over to tonemob.com Patreon. Patreon will get you access to all kinds of extra goodies, but the most popular being the $5 a month level, where you get extra episodes delivered every month just for your ears. And they can be something as simple as extended episodes like this one has been, or it can be me and some guys in the shred shed talking tone, talking gear, and of course, talking about food, because that is what makes the world go round and round. Thanks for listening, and I really, really do mean it. It means the world. Because there are millions of other things you could be doing with your time right now, yet you are here listening to this podcast, and that is awesome. If you could, I could ask you just one favor, and that's to share this with a friend. I know all podcasts ask you to do that every time, all the time, 
But it truly does help, because if nobody listened, there'd be no point in doing this. And currently, as it stands, there are millions of guitar players in the world. But only thousands of them listen to podcasts, so we want to get them all on board. So bring it on. I got some really, really, really awesome guests coming up. I think you guys are going to be really excited to hear from, and I think your friends will like it too. So tell them about it. And as always, hit me up wherever, whenever, for whatever. I'll help if I can. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next week. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.